0: This is the Rick Edelman Show. Barron's ranks Edelman Financial Engines the number one independent investment advisor in the country. And Rick is in the Barron's Financial Advisor Hall of Fame. Now,
1: here's Rick Edelman. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. Thanks for being with me this weekend. We have an anniversary, and it's certainly a notable one. It was on March 13th of 2020. That former President Donald Trump declared the coronavirus pandemic a national emergency. President Trump's announcement unleashed billions of dollars in federal aid for state and local governments. And we all know far too painfully what has happened in the year since. Well, we're not out of it yet. The pandemic is still with us. We are excited that so many are being vaccinated. And we now have, for the first time ever, a majority of Americans saying they are willing to get vaccinated. That number is the highest. However, there is still one group that a minority say they're willing to get vaccinated. It is not blacks. It is not Hispanics. It's not women. It is Republicans, only 33% of Republicans, say that they are willing to get vaccinated. So I am hopeful that more and more Americans of all sorts are going to agree to get vaccinated. The sooner we do that, the sooner we are all hopeful that we can get this pandemic behind us. In the meantime, economic challenges persist for many Americans, including small business owners, Nearly half of small businesses say they cannot afford to pay their March rent. That's up from 38% in February, which was up from 33% in January. In other words, it's getting worse, not better for small businesses. And it's even worse for minority-owned businesses. Two-thirds say they can't afford their March rent. And more than half of women-owned businesses say they can't afford their March rent. And it's not merely business owners who are struggling. So are members of the military. Members of the military are increasingly turning to food banks to feed their families. The Institute for Veterans and Military Families says 40% of our nation's armed forces are relying on food banks to feed their families. The Department of Defense says the jobless rate for military spouses is 22%. Keep in mind that the overall unemployment rate is about 6.5% if you count those who have stopped looking for work, taken themselves out of the job search, and therefore aren't being counted by the Department of Labor as being unemployed, that puts the number around 10%. But military spouses, 22% unemployment rate. Because every time their spouse gets reassigned to a new base, the spouse has to give up their job, and they're having trouble getting new jobs when they move. And because the pandemic is still with us and because we're seeing so many trillions of dollars being spent on this, you might ask, how's the government doing with the job of spending all that money? 74% of Americans disapprove of how the government has been spending its money during the pandemic. And so I'll simply mention this. This recently announced by the IRS, a reminder to all of us. If you would like to help reduce the federal debt, you can write a check to the US Treasury and your payment will count as a charitable contribution. <laughs> if you itemize, that is, and deduct contributions on schedule A, your payment is deductible. If you don't itemize, up to $300 of cash contributions, 600 if you're married, Qualify as a deduction if you want to help pay down the $22 trillion federal debt. I created a little bit of controversy last week. It was unintended, but I do that sometimes. Um, I talked about an email exchange I had with one of my listeners named Sandra, who had expressed unhappiness over the callers to my show, who uh, she said are bragging about having millions of dollars because they just want to get my applause of the day. And I responded to Sandra on the air saying that they're not bragging. They are troubled. And I had a lot of responses uh, from folks listening to the show about that conversation. Teresa wrote to me and said, Rick, just wanted you to know how much I enjoyed the Sandra segment. Hats off to you. You're a brave soul. Please don't back down. You're likely to face criticism. I was a little surprised at that, wasn't quite sure why, but then I got an email from Sean. He said, Rick, I feel Sandra's pain, and I hear her frustration as you read her words. I think you were a bit harsh. Unfortunately, I think you may have lost Sandra. I'm not going to call it victim-blaming, but you did give her a tongue-lashing for venting her very real frustrations. I wasn't venting at her for her frustrations, Sean. I was venting at the fact that she was looking at the negative side of others without taking into consideration their concerns. Merely because she's not wealthy and isn't rich, doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't mean you should lambast those who are more fortunate and well-off, who are yet facing significant struggles and challenges of their own, even though they're not necessarily as bad as those that others are experiencing. And then I got an email from Azarian, who said, Rick, I just listened to your response to Sandra, who was dissing folks who had saved and were perplexed with what to do with their money. What you said was so powerful on so many levels. Every time I meet with my financial advisor, I tell her that all this money makes me nervous. Thanks for speaking up and speaking out about something no one wants to admit or talk about. And Linda wrote, Hey, Rick, I just want to thank you for your response to Sandra. Yes, hard work, saving, Little self-gratification, risk-taking, knowledge-building are the deliberate actions we took, an engineer and a marketer, to move from $0 to $4 million in 45 years. That's not much, but it gives us plenty for a great retirement. You clearly understand your listeners, and I very much enjoy your commentary. Alan wrote in and he said, Rick, I'm one of those individuals that you described as working hard for their success. I grew up in a single wide trailer in a small town of 1,000 people. My parents divorced when I was seven. After my dad left, my mom and my siblings and me were living close to poverty. One of our neighbors used to give us cheese, peanut butter, and milk. My mom did her best to raise a family. No welfare for us, since that is for those who are worse off. That's how I was raised. Hard work for what you need or want. While working and raising kids, my mom returned to community college. She sacrificed so that she could earn a couple of dollars more per hour. That's what you do. Hard work sacrifice and it'll work out i would wake myself dress make breakfast and walk to school because my mom was working that started when i was seven and continued through high school i attended community college worked at fast food restaurants pizza parlors moved from city to city over a few years i moved 13 times eventually i got my degree and then i went to law school now at 52 i have a bit over a million dollars in my 401k Since my mom never earned much, I helped support her in retirement by sending money to her every two weeks. I've worked hard and sacrificed a lot. I did without for years, so I could be where I am today. However, in the back of my mind is a constant, nagging fear. If I make one mistake, it's all gone. All that hard work, sacrifice, doing without, would be for nothing. The fear of returning to life in a single wide trailer at age 52 is always in the back of my mind. I would be unable to send money to my mom. I would have nothing to help my children. That's why I listen to your show. That was Alan. And I have to note that baby boomers have more money in America than any other generation. There are 12 times more baby boomers who are millionaires than millennials. 38% of millionaires are over the age of 65. Only 1% of millionaires are under 35. And so it's understandable if younger folks listening to the show who are constantly hearing callers who tend to be older, who have money, to say, oh, I'm disapproving of them and they're flaunting their wealth. No, they're not. They're just reflecting the fact they've been working at it for 10 or 20 or 30 years longer than you. You do what they do for as long as they do it, you'll probably end up just as well as them. And then I had one final email from Michael, and he said, Hey, Rick, can I have the applause of the day? I've been listening to your show for years, and I feel I'm doing great. I'm just emailing you to brag. No, Michael, you don't get the applause of the day. We are not here to throw sand in other people's faces. That's not the point. Sandra had a very real concern, and my message isn't, Sandra, you're doing things badly. My message is, Sandra, don't feel badly because others are doing well. And Michael, let's not gloat. I'm Rick Edelman. You're listening to The Truth About Money. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com.
0: Money doesn't come with instructions. More of your questions coming up on The Rick Edelman Show.
1: Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. March is Women's History Month. Let me give you some Facts about women's history, women in America were not allowed to own property until 1862. Women couldn't vote until 1920. And women couldn't even apply for credit cards in their own name until 1974. Today it's a lot different. More women graduate from college nowadays than men. And women hold more than half of all jobs. Kamala Harris is the first female vice president. Janet Yellen is the first female secretary of the Treasury. More than 25% of the members of Congress are women, the highest percentage in history. 40% of women are the primary breadwinners in U.S. households, and women own a third of all small businesses in America. Women also hold more than half of all the management and professional jobs throughout this country and women today control 51% of all the wealth in the U.S. That's $22 trillion. So yeah, it's Women's History Month, and we're celebrating women's advancement. But women today still earn only 81 cents for every dollar that men earn doing the same job. Women spend an average of 12 years out of the workforce because of caregiving, both children and, later, parents. Women spend 12 years. Men only spend two years out of the workforce. Women, therefore, retire with only two-thirds as much money as men. Women receive lower pension benefits as a result, and they qualify for less Social Security benefits, too. In fact, the average woman gets more money from Social Security as the wife of a worker than as a worker herself. And the pandemic has made it all even worse. The worst-hit industries employ more women than men. Travel, education, health services, retail. And women have therefore accounted for 55% of all the job losses throughout the pandemic. Women are spending on average seven hours a week more than men on childcare. They spend five hours more per week caring for the sick and the elderly. And they spend seven hours more per week on housework. And if all that's not enough, women outlive men By an average of five years, the average wife becomes a widow at age 59 and half of all widows in this country earn less than $25,000 a year. In fact, three quarters of a million widows live in extreme poverty and with 45% of marriages ending in divorce, most women die single, divorced or widowed. And living longer means more health care costs. The average woman will spend almost $200,000 more on health care in retirement than men. Women 65 plus are twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's disease compared to men. And 70% of all the women in nursing homes are women. And that is why I'm happy to tell you that we are creating a brand new webinar for you called The Truth About Women and Money. It's March 23rd at either 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. And joining me throughout this entire program is my good friend, Jean Chatsky, the award winning financial columnist, the finance editor for NBC's Today Show, founder and CEO of HerMoney.com. Jean Chatsky and I have spent decades helping women prepare for retirement and beyond. If you're a woman, and I'd especially add that if you're not a woman, meaning if you have a woman in your life, a mom, a wife, a daughter, granddaughters, you need to attend this webinar. Sign up at com. That's ricedelman.com. The webinar is March 23rd at 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern. See you there. Hey, I have to take notice of uh, a gentleman who passed away very recently, the sculptor Arturo de Modica, He died. Uh, You don't know the name, but you certainly know the work that he is most famous for. Arturo created the Charging Bull, that three-and-a-half-ton bronze sculpture that is outside the New York Stock Exchange in New York City, the iconic bronze sculpture. A lot of folks, though, are not familiar with the history of this sculpture, Uh, Arturo spent two years and over $300,000 of his own money to craft that piece of art. He was inspired by the crash of 87, and he did it as a spoof. His attitude was New York's Wall Street traders are demoralized as a result of the crash of 87. So he decided to create for them this charging bull to lift their spirits, but he did it really as an inside joke. And in fact, his artwork was not requested by anybody. Nobody commissioned him to produce this sculpture. Nobody knew he was doing it. He self-funded it. He was doing it at his own facility. And one night, December 15th, 1989, yeah, it took him two years to make this, he showed up outside the New York Stock Exchange in the dead of night bringing a truck, a crane, and 40 friends to install it right outside the main entrance to the NYSE. Well, the next morning, you can imagine what happened. The officials from the New York Stock Exchange showed up, and they were not happy at what they were seeing. And they had Charging Bull impounded. And Arturo was forced to pay a $500 fine and a fee to get it out of the city's impoundment. But it did capture the attention of the New York City Parks Department. And working with Arturo, they found a new home for charging bull near the New York Stock Exchange in New York's Financial District. And that is where tourists have been flocking in the decades since. And you may very well have been one of them, one of the most favorite photo opportunities in New York. The artwork got another round of controversy in 2017 when the artist Kristen Visible placed her sculpture, Fearless Girl, right opposite the bull as though she were standing there in defiance of the Charging Bull. Arturo was offended at that. He said that the placement of Fearless Girl altered the message that he was trying to send with Charging Bull. And through a lawsuit, they ended up separating the two, and it was just the continuing saga of artistry and messaging in art. You'll find photographs of both of these items on our website at rickedelman.com, both Charging Bull and Fearless Girl. Let's shift our attention to a bit of news update on GameStop, Investors who were rocking and rolling with GameStop, buying and buying and buying, causing that stock to skyrocket, have moved on from GameStop. Recently, they have been moving to buying shares of Rocket, the parent company of Quicken Loans. Shares of the Rocket company surged as high as 71%, with 377 million shares traded in a single day, a 10x increase from normal trading. The company's ticker, RKT, was mentioned in more than 16,000 online posts on the Reddit chat rooms prior to the stock skyrocketing. It's gotten to the point where people are wondering, how do I get in on this action without having to pay attention to all the Reddit social board activity? Well, Eck, the big mutual fund company, has just launched the Eck Social Sentiment ETF. It is buying stocks with, quote, the most bullish investor sentiment and perception, unquote. They claim they will be tracking those chat rooms and buying the stocks that those folks say they want to go buy. Is that an opportunity for you to get in on this? Or is it an opportunity for you to get fleeced, like most of those who try to play that game? Oh, by the way, some in Congress are arguing that this is a justification for a financial transaction tax. Get these short-term day traders to stop what they're doing by hitting them with a big tax that could raise $60 billion a year. We'll see if that happens. You're listening to The Rick Edelman Show. Researchers at the University of California, Davis, have figured out how to get solar panels to generate power at night. They use a technique called radiative cooling, to generate 25% as much energy at night as they do in sunlight. Meanwhile, a company has developed a charger that can charge an iPhone in eight minutes. That's pretty awesome. And Swedish researchers at the Chalmers University of Technology have identified a molecule that can trap and store solar energy for decades, releasing the energy on demand. Meanwhile, in Australia, the University of the Sunshine Coast says they've got a three-story water battery that cuts the university's energy usage by 40%. And a research team at the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm has invented a transparent wood that can absorb and release heat, an ideal material for energy-efficient buildings. That's just a small taste of the innovative technologies that we're going to soon see in the marketplace. You're listening to The Truth About Money.
0: More with the offer of the New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show.
1: To Dover, Delaware, here on the Rick Edelman Show. Take a phone call from Lisa. How are you, Lisa?
2: I'm fine. Thank you. How are you?
1: Doing so well. Thanks so much. How can I help you today?
2: Well, I had a question um, I've been pondering about for a while. I actually inherited around $80,000 a year ago this past January. My um, total debt's 15000 I have used $12,000 of that $80,000 as a down payment on a new car.
1: Is that part of the 15?
2: That being part of the debt. Um, The remaining is two credit cards that I have. Um, I've put the money in a rewards checking account. I know nothing about investing. I'm afraid to lose any of my money and want the money to work safely and as hard as possible for me. Um, I'm not sure how to go about this.
1: Lisa, how old are you?
2: I'm 57. Are you married? Yes, I am. Do you have children? Grown children, yes.
1: And are you working? Yes. What's your income?
2: My personal income is around forty thousand a year.
1: And your husband's? Um,
2: maybe seventy-five to a hundred thousand. He um he he owns
1: his own business. And do you have other savings and investments aside from this inheritance?
2: I have personally I have an an additional savings account, an additional checking account, Uh, but I keep the balances fairly low there. I have a little bit that goes in there each month
1: or each pay period. And how about your husband?
2: Um, You know, we don't have one of those uh, structured, traditional, old type of marriages. I pay my bills. He pays his.
1: Are you satisfied with that structure? I am. And I'm sorry that you've had a loss in, in your life. Who passed a year ago? My father. I'm I'm very sorry to hear it. Oh, thank you. And so you have no investment experience yourself, from what I'm gathering? Not at all. Where you're working, does your employer offer a retirement plan?
2: They do. Um, I work for the state of Delaware. They do offer some type of defer, but I've not checked into that.
1: Got it. Okay. So... How much money are you spending on a monthly basis?
2: I'm going to say roughly 1500 and that includes bills and incidentals, groceries and things like that that I,
1: that okay. I do myself. You mentioned that you had $3,000 in credit card debt.
2: I usually uh, pay three to four times what the minimum balance due is.
1: Got it. So you mentioned that you don't want to lose money. Tell me why you fear losing money in investments.
2: My biggest reason is because of where that money came from.
1: And you feel an an obligation to be a proper steward of the money in honor of your father. Exactly. Got it. And that's perfectly understandable. Do you know where your father accumulated that money? (laughs) Years of hard work. Did he have money in a brokerage account or mutual funds uh, or four hundred one k? Did he have money there?
2: To my knowledge, he only had CDs.
1: Okay, so let me give you some advice. The fact that your father was not an investor helps explain why you aren't an investor either, Uh, because the traits we often have in life are provided to us through our upbringing. Um, This is why children of actors tend to become actors, and children of doctors tend to become doctors, and. Children of investors tend to become investors and children of savers tend to be savers and children of spendthrifts tend to be spendthrifts. What do they say? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So first, I want you to pay off the rest of those credit card bills. The amount of money you're spending in interest is dramatically more than the interest you're earning on the savings uh, on that cash. All right. Okay. Next, I want you to join the retirement plan that is offered to you by your employer. The next thing that I want you to do is to take the remaining cash you have and leave it where it is. And I want you to read a book called The Truth About Money. Okay. It's a great book. Do you know why I say that it's a great book? Tell me why. Because I wrote it. Oh, okay. So I want you to read this book, which by the way, was named Book of the Year when it was first published in 1997 and was an instant bestseller. And this book is written really for you. It's written for people who don't know much about money or investing. And it doesn't just cover the world of savings and investing. It also talks about wills, and it talks about retirement, and it talks about buying versus leasing cars. It covers pretty much the whole gamut of personal finance. And the reason I want you to read this book is because it'll give you information that you have not obtained from your parents. You didn't get it at school. You haven't gotten it from your employer. So I want you to learn about the world of investing to help you decide if you like the idea of investing. In other words, I'm not going to try to persuade you to take risk with your money and invest it into the stock market because we know the market is risky. We know it's volatile. And I don't want you to invest today and have it lose tomorrow and you'll feel terrible and filled with guilt. and Now you've mismanaged your dad's legacy. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to suggest you do anything different with your money. I'm simply going to suggest that you begin to educate yourself. And The Truth About Money is really fun to read. Uh, The footnotes are hysterical, if you ask me. It's full of charts and graphs and cartoons and funny quotes. You'll really enjoy reading this. And you don't have to read the book cover to cover. You can go straight to the sections on the book that talk about investing. And once you read that, you'll then be able to be in a position to decide if you want to continue leaving all of your money where it is in the bank, or move some of it, not all, just some of it. In other words, let's take some baby steps. No dramatic changes, no big, huge decisions. Let's just take some baby steps. Pay off the credit card debt, keep paying it off every month in full, join the retirement plan at work, and read the book. Okay.
2: So you suggest um, once I do pay those credit cards off, To go ahead and use them here and there and just pay the balances off. Don't just let them sit with a zero balance.
1: Right. In other words, you can continue to use the credit cards. That's great. I love credit cards, but I want you to pay the bill off every month when the bill shows up. Okay. Okay. Got it. That way you're not paying interest on the use of the money. Right. And I'm going to put you on hold off air. I'm going to get my team, my producers of the show are going to get your address and we're going to mail you a copy of my book.
2: Oh, awesome. I was going to go ahead and look for it as soon as we finished talking.
1: Well, I want everybody else to go to Amazon and buy it online. But for you, I'm going to send you a copy of the book.
2: I really appreciate that. I do. Um, I know it's something, too, that my husband will be interested in uh, reading with uh, with our age. We're the same age. Of course, you know, we're thinking about retirement and what have you. And he's in a different position from me being a business owner with property and, and what have you. So I think he'll enjoy reading it as well.
1: I'm really glad you said that because I was hoping to get your husband engaged in this conversation. All right. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. That was Lisa in Dover, Delaware here on the Rick Edelman Show, Triple H plan rick and the book, The Truth About Money, available at your favorite booksellers online. You got a question for me? You know, you could record your voice on your smartphone and send me the file to askrick at com. I got an email from Doug with his audio recording. Here's his question.
0: Rick, this is Douglas from Vienna, Virginia. My father has a significant amount of stock that he is considering using to benefit his grandchildren. The most immediate option we have been discussing is supporting some of their college expenses. I know that stock can't be rolled into 529 accounts, so what alternatives for the transfer and sale of the stock should we explore that would preserve, as much as possible, the value of these assets from a capital gains perspective? The cost basis of the stock in question is very low compared to the current value. Could capital gains be avoided if any of this stock were transferred to an IRA? Thanks, Rick, and I look forward to hearing your response.
1: Uh, Doug, I've got some bad news for you. There is really no practical, effective way to avoid the capital gains tax on the sale of the asset. No, you can't roll over investments to an IRA. The only money that can go into an IRA is based on earned income. And so you can't move an asset into it uh, in that way to avoid taxes. If, even if you could, it would make it worse because it would then come out of the IRA as ordinary income, not capital gains. So that would actually make it worse even if you could do that. So you just have to acknowledge that capital gains and capital gains taxes are the results of successful investing. So congratulations. Uh, I mean, there are worse problems to have. You know, if you don't want to pay a capital gains tax, that means you don't want capital gains and that means you want losses from your investments. Well, I don't think you really want losses. So you just have to grin and bear it. You just have to hold your nose and write the check when you liquidate those assets and pay the tax. I mean, there are some possible games that people play, such as transferring the securities to other family members who are in lower tax brackets. But that is usually not a very practical or available thing to do based on the dynamics of the household or the amount of money involved. So the short answer is you make the money, you pay the tax, you move on. I'm Rick Edelman. You can do what Douglas did. And that is to send me your voice recording from your smartphone to askrick at rickedelman.com. Stay with us.
0: For more information on what you need to do now, go to com. That's rickedelman.com.
1: Let's go to the phones off to Woodbridge, Virginia, here on the Rick Ebleman Show. Christine is with us. Hi, Christine. Hi. How can I help you today? Well,
3: my question is, I've got a savings account for my granddaughter, and she's just turned 12. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. over the years, since she was born, I've been just dumping some money into an account. And so I've I've gotten up to about $20,000. Wow. Yeah, I look at the interest and I'm going, oh, this really stinks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking to try to figure out how I can um, help this, you know, get this money to grow some for her, um, how how to invest it.
1: What is it you want the money to be used for?
3: Well, for, you know.
1: No, I don't know. That's why I asked.
3: (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. So not for school so the five, like a 529 is more something that her parents are going to take care of so mm-hmm. this is like for big events in her life you know that she chooses to do
1: like you mean weddings
3: yeah like um like car like you know wedding got it whatever
1: so so we've got three different ideas car wedding house those tend to come at very different ages car can come as quick as 16 just as soon as 4 years uh, wedding might not come for 10 or 15 years. A house could come 10 to 20 years. So the reason I'm highlighting this is that the date we think the money will be used has a huge impact on the investment we would recommend. In other words, if you're thinking of a car in as little as four years, then I would say keep the money where it is because if you're going to use the money in a relatively short period... You know, who knows what the stock market might do in a relatively short period of time. But if you're more like thinking of wedding and house, which is more like 10 plus years away for either of those, then we can be more aggressive in the investing and use mutual funds that invest in stocks, for example. And if you're not sure or more accurately, you want to do it all, then I would say do a little bit of it all. Leave some of the money in the bank, put some of the money into stock funds.
3: Okay, so I think that's um, I, what I would like to try to do and kind of went and looked stuff up and realized I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, mutual funds.
1: No, wait, well, no, wait, 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 wait. Let's start with a premise that you don't know what you're doing.
3: I don't know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> then stop trying to do it yourself. <laughs> okay. So I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to go read about mutual funds and pick one. I don't know anything about surgery. So I'm going to go read a book on surgery. and No, you go to a surgeon. So you're an expert in you. You have that expertise. You know the situation. You have this money. You know who it's for. You know what you want it to be used for and when. With that information, you go to a financial advisor and say, you tell me the mutual funds I ought to be buying for my granddaughter to achieve the goals I've established. No must, no fuss. You said you had an IRA. Where is that IRA? Um, Fidelity. Great, call Fidelity on the phone, uh huh, and tell them what you told me. I've got twenty grand for my twelve year old granddaughter. I want to save the money for her to buy a car in four years. Some of the money held back for weddings and houses. What mutual funds do you recommend at Fidelity for her? It's that simple. It's that easy. Okay. If you don't like Fidelity, call us. Same phone number you dialed today. Triple eight plan Rick.
3: Yeah, we have uh, Fidelity and USAA and all, and we have talked to a few financial advisors, and I'm not really uh, sure how we felt about things we were being told. So.
1: No, no way. That doesn't mean you do it yourself. I, you know, I, I, I want to buy a house. I want to build a house. I talked to a few builders. I don't like any of them. So I'm going to build the house myself. Really? No, you keep. Talking to other advisors until you find one who says what you want to hear, who you like, who sounds like they know what they're talking about, who are serving your best interest. They're not charging big commissions. They're not suffering from conflicts of interest. They are looking out for you and your goals and your granddaughter. Keep your search continuing until you find the advisor right for you. You talk to Fidelity and USAA. You didn't like them. Great. That doesn't mean you stop talking to advisors. You stop talking to those advisors. It's time for you to talk to us, okay? and we'll be able to help you with all of this. No obligation, just like you had conversations with others, no obligation. You like what you hear, you proceed. You don't like what you hear, you know to continue your search. You know the story about Thomas Edison and the light bulb, right? 10,000 experiments to create the light bulb, and somebody said to him, you failed 10,000 times, and he said, no, I simply found 10,000 ways not to build a light bulb. He kept going until he found that it was a cotton filament that worked. You do the same thing. Keep searching for the cotton filament. Search until you find the advisor who's right for you. Just because you found three that aren't right doesn't mean you stop your search. Got it. Christine, thanks for calling. All right. Thank you. That was Christine in Woodbridge, Virginia, here on the Rick Edelman Show. 888 plan rick Time now for a visit from my wife, Jean Edelman here on the Rick Edelman show. Jean co-founder of course, here at Edelman financial engines with a degree in consumer economics and a specialty in nutrition and an expert in macrobiotic cooking. Jean here with her weekly segment, everybody's favorite of the show, Jeannie. Hi
4: everybody. Great to be back. The word that's floating around in my mind this week is believe. What a wonderful, powerful, beautiful word think about when someone looks you in the eye and says, I believe in you. You feel like you can take on the world, your bucket of confidence. It is filled to the brim. And what about when we say, I believe in myself. I believe I can. And then you fill in the blank. We are invincible, and we can accomplish all that we put our mind to. This past year has given us much opportunity to restate our I believe statements. So here's a few of mine, and as I'm going through them, maybe think of some of yours. I believe in prayer. I believe in angels. I believe we can make choices and changes in our life that create health. I believe each of us carries a light of love and kindness. I believe we're all one and we need to be here at this great time of change on our planet. I believe when we recreate and finish recreating our society after this pandemic, education, business, I think it's all going to be more attuned to our individual needs. I believe love conquers all. I believe animals are great teachers, little and big. I believe nature is the greatest healer for all of us. What are your I believe statements? Find some quiet and write them down. How about if we share these very powerful words with others? I believe in you. And then step back and see what happens. Of course, my word of the week is going to be believe. So B is for beam. Beam our light out to everyone we talk to and everyone we meet. E is for essential. We never know how our smile or our positive words are going to help. And we need to hold in our hearts that we're meant to be here and share with others in a positive way. L is for laugh. (laughs) Because we should not take ourselves so seriously. I is for inspire. That's our gift for our young folks. We need to inspire them to be great. E is for engage. Let's go deeper with our conversations. Once we get vaccinated and we're starting to be with our friends and family face to face again, let's ask the questions that we tend to avoid. And I bet we will be pleasantly surprised. V is for voice. Ah, Hopefully we have found our voice during this pandemic because it is important to speak our truth. And E is for encourage because we all need a little encouragement. It's going to be okay. Believe in ourselves, believe in others. Beautiful, strong words for the world. I wish you all a wonderful, beautiful week.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Gene. That's Gene Edelman here on The Truth About Money. Thanks very much for joining me on the program this weekend. And remember, when you need us, we're here for you. H plan rick online at rickedelman.com.
0: Providing personal finance advice for over 25 years, this is The Rick Edelman Show.